get somebody to bring them to you. A couple of them didn't have them. All right. New series uh, today. We're actually, because of the different special services we have, we're actually starting about a month behind on this new, new book, but it's all right. Uh, we can go at our own pace. And um, today uh, we're going to talk about something as we, this series actually, uh, the gift of repentance and uh, try to open our eyes to what repentance means for us as children of God striving to live for him every day and uh, get it in the right light. So it's actually the series title is The Gift of Repentance and today's lesson is titled The Gift of Repentance. So we're going to talk about what it is to us right off the bat. So our scripture focus uh, this morning, Hebrews 9 and 22 The writer here reminds us of what Jesus has done for us with his blood. And he says, And almost all things are by the law purged with the blood. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning? And without shedding of blood is no remission. There had to be a gift, a price paid for us. And even repentance is a gift that God has allowed us to have so that we can be free from sin, to live a life for him. The lesson idea, each one will start with this opening sentence, because we all battle with temptation and sin. All of us battle with temptation and sin. And for this lesson, we're going to see that God has given us The gift of repentance because of that. Repentance will help you with temptation and sin. It helps you overcome it. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you this morning and thank you for all that you've done for us. And thank you for granting us repentance unto life. Lord, let us receive this word in our heart today and grow, be better. And we're going to bless your name always. We ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise and a shout this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You could be seated this morning. Thank you for being in discipleship class this morning. So uh, repentance is a gift and not a punishment. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of times there's words that you hear in church culture that um, Sometimes people outside, mostly we hope it's outside, but sometimes even in the church, people don't really understand what that word is all about or what it means, and you have to make sure people do. Uh, you know, you can tell somebody brand new that's just coming to the church, say, hey, look, you need to repent. They may not even know what that means, right. you know. And uh, But I will tell you this, that repentance is not just for the unconverted sinner, but it is also uh, for those who are known by God and who know God. Uh, Repentance was first preached really to God's people in the Old Testament. You can read uh, in Solomon's prayer uh, during the dedication of the temple and how he begins to ask God for things 
for uh, Israel. And, and God said, you know, just paraphrasing this prayer, but he was, look, if my people get off in another land and they're in trouble and they're in bondage somewhere else, he said, if they will turn around and call on me and call my name face toward Jerusalem, face toward this city, then I'll forgive them and I'll, I'll come and deliver them and things like that. And one of the uh, scriptures we love to quote so often and we, we use it to uh, boast our or boost our desire for prayer and see things happening in churches at Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. And he said, my people. You see, when you read that, you realize that God was dealing with his people. And repentance was something that his people needed. And it shows how good God is that he does not just write them off. He does not just kick them to the curb, trash them, throw them away just because they have made mistakes or turned to other idols and all kinds. Of, Israel did some terrible things. I mean, went so directly against God's word at, at certain times that God could have just said, that's it. But instead, uh, if they would get in trouble, they would begin to uh, call on him and seek his face, and he would uh, bless them and come back and deliver them and, and take care of them. And that's what he was telling us there, that if my people don't just, you know, being humble, crying, Praying, things like that. That's great. But if you have not, he said, they've got to turn also or they've got to repent. And if we won't turn all the crying in the world. See, God does not make people repent. Repentance is uh, something that you are led to, according to Scripture, is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But repentance is something that an individual makes their mind up to do. And it is more than just forgiveness. In, in repenting, we ask for forgiveness of sins. But after we've repented, uh, we have to ask forgiveness many times. But repentance goes along with that. Lord, I'm sorry I did that. I won't do that anymore. I'm going to turn from that activity. You know, so you're not only asking forgiveness, but you're making a statement that I will turn away from things that are unlike you or unlike your path. I want to live for you. I want to live a repented life. And so repentance is not just a one-time thing. Um, you know, Peter preached repentance on the day of Pentecost. We know that that was right out of his mouth, and he was preaching what the Lord said to preach, preach repentance and remission of sins. In my name, we must preach repentance. And he was preaching to devout men from every nation, telling them that they had to repent or turn, make a decision here. Because they asked the question, what shall we do? And that... Uh, Acts 2.38, uh, repentance and being baptized is on us. That's our decisions, our choices. It's what God says you have to do, but you st- he don't force you to do it. You have to make that decision. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's his part. I tell people often when they're seeking that, listen, you repent, you get baptized, you've done your part. God will do his part because he's promised he would. But uh, to repentance, we need to remember that. This is something that I make a decision about. But even if I made a decision that, hey, I'm not going to live a certain way anymore, unless God has given me the ability or he accepts that repentance, 
it doesn't mean anything. So now you see why repentance is a gift from God. And just like every gift from God, it is good and it is perfect. In other words, it will complete you. Uh, you know, you can uh, sit in church and live unrepentant. Yeah, yeah, you can, man, you can, you can start a church and live unrepentant. You can, uh, you can preach and you can sing and you can teach and you can do all kind of things uh, in ministry and be unrepentant. But it'll never prosper. It'll never have the blessings of God on it. We must live an unrepented life. Repentance is a gift from God. And it helps us to deal because it gives us uh, the ability to make an effective change. See, people turn over new leaves all the time. Every year, it's, it's, it's rolling up to the end of the year, New Year's resolutions. But resolutions and repentance aren't the same. And turning over a new leaf and repentance is not the same. Um, and uh, But people... In the world, that's what they, you know, I'm going to make a, a change to my uh, life or diet. Thing like that. But if you're not doing this because of the goodness of God in your life, you're not doing it because you recognize God is blessing you and his mercy is new to you and he loves you and wants to take care of you, then you just made a change on your own. It's not the repentance that God is looking for. Because once we repent, we turn and step into God's ways. Repentance is not me stopping this but continuing in my own fashion. It is now walking in his fashion. I am now following him, uh, repented, walking away from the world, walking toward him. That's it. That's repentance, and that's something that God allows. You could, if God didn't want it, if, it wouldn't matter. You could chase him all day long. I'm chasing. I'm right behind you, Lord. I don't care. I don't care. I don't recognize it. I don't allow it. What if God didn't allow repentance? That would be a terrible, terrible place to find ourselves wanting to be changed, wanting to be better, wanting uh, to overcome, but not able to because God doesn't allow it. Repentance is God allowing us uh, to turn away and come to him. And so I want to make sure that, like every gift that God's given, I want to value it. In the Gospels, we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. We, we apply that to Acts 2.38. Repentance is death. His death was a gift. So is repentance. Repentance is a gift for people. His death, his sacrifice was part of the gift that gives us new life and eternal life. And I sure don't want to just focus mainly on being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know... Uh, People, I think, afraid sometimes to talk to people about repentance because uh, they have the wrong idea about repentance. When we, if we tell them to repent, they're they're like we're scolding them. They think we're judging them. They think we're uh, telling them how bad they are. But we're just telling you no. If you're going to live for this God, you've got to turn around. If you're going to live for this God, you've got to turn away from the world. Uh, remission of sin is going to take care of everything that happened in your life up to this point. But you, you, can't, go into, you can't go into baptism saying, hey, I want to be clean, but I want to live my own way. You, know? you, you can't say, oh, I want your spirit, 
But I, I want to live my own way because once we're filled with the Holy Ghost, it says now we're walking in the newness of life. We're supposed to be walking in a new path. And so to have a, an unrepented nature uh, can happen. There are people who come to church who do not want to change, but they sure want to go to heaven. And they, they want the Holy Ghost. Oh, I, yeah, I want to talk in tongues too. And I, you know, they want the blessings of God. But one of the biggest blessings is that repentance. And so while being filled with the Holy Ghost and people being baptized may come in different orders, there's one thing that never changes. Repentance happens at the beginning. That's number one. A person, if a person comes in and God knows they have no inkling, no desire, they are not going to turn around. That's why you see a lot of people struggling with praying through the Holy Ghost because they have not yet come to the end of themselves. They have not yet said, I've got to have it, I've got to have it. But they know in their brain, the other side of their brain is saying, but when I get out of here, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And God knows that too. He's reading the same thoughts that you're thinking. He knows already. You're coming down here, appreciate that, but you have not come to the end of yourself yet. And I, and I will say this. I feel like that if a person decides, hey, I'm going to jump in there and get baptized because I want my sins washed away, but they're not repented. I'm not so sure that anything happens besides getting wet. Because if you have already decided I'm not going to change, but the man said I need to do this so I can go to heaven, well, what do you do? You get out of the water and you go on living your life any way you want to. That's not the way God designed it. That's not the way God intended it. So we, as church people, need to make sure that we are not, uh, because, you know, that's the good st- We think, oh, well, being baptized, your sins washed away, and getting the Holy Ghost, that's the good stuff. And we, we try to sneak people around repentance to the water and to the altar. But when they get here, there needs to be a prayer. And the way you lead people to repentance is not by saying, you better stop doing wrong. <laughs> you tell them, hey, listen, God loves you just like you are. Hey, don't, don't, you don't have to drop your head and be ashamed. God loves you just like you are. You, what you've done in your past does not disqualify you from coming down here and receiving the gift. It's the reason for the gift. And you begin to let them know how much God loves them just like they are. And that's the goodness of God. And that's the mercy of God. And it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But telling people that they're going to bust hell wide open. that People get indignant over that. They Like you somebody better. And you know what? And they're right. No, I'm not any better. But I just realized and recognized the need for God. And I heard that knock at the door. And I heard that gentle voice uh, asking for me to open up so he could come in. And, and I realized that my house was a... Hey, let me tell you about this. You ever have somebody show up, knock on your house, and, you, and on your door, and your house is a wreck? And you don't, want, you don't answer? Or you, you come out on the porch and shut the door? When Jesus gets to your house and starts knocking, you ain't got time to clean up. Because there's things that's dirty that you you can't clean up. And so you might as well know he's coming in my house and it's a mess. And he don't care. 
he's ready to come in anyway. And the reason people won't open the door is the same reason people won't open the door today. They say, man, my house is a wreck. And I know they'll go straight away and tell people, I went by their house and that house was tore up. There was shoes on the floor and laundry laying around and fast food wrappers. Everywhere. You know, they just telling on you. And so I ain't let nobody see how dirty my house is. We like to say, well, my house is lived in. I live in my house. Yeah, a lot of times you just don't want to get them clean. That's the way, hey, Sometimes, hey, you want know something? I'll kick my shoes off the floor, and you know what? They're still there the next day. I don't go put them up. It's my house. I'll leave them right there so I can find them when I trip over them, and then I can, <laughs> I can put them on. I know where they're at. And so, but when, pe- when the Lord comes knocking on that door, He knows already. Yeah. You're trying to stuff things under the sofa, and it, 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 you can't hide nothing from Him. Right. So right. it's a wasted effort. Just open the door, let Him in. And all of a sudden, when he leaves, you look around and say, how'd everything get clean? Because that's the work he does when he comes in. He cleans up. He, he, he fixes us. We need people repenting. But we need to show them how good God is to get them there. Because you can't force nobody. If God don't force them to repent, you can't force them to repent. And if God says, I have to lead them to repentance, so do we. The servant is not greater than his master. I sure, if he can't force them, I can't force them. But if he can lead them, I can lead them. Because he's in me. And so, uh, showing the love of God and showing the mercy of God doesn't mean you can't be firm. You can be firm and love people. And you can say, listen... You can't be saved without repenting. Oh, I don't want to. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. I'm telling you what Jesus said. I'm telling you what the Word said. You believe in what Jesus said? Yeah, well, Jesus started out preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) You know, John the Baptist, he's leading the way, and it says he baptized into the baptism of repentance. Repentance was going on in the Gospels. People say, I don't believe what the book of Acts. Well, fine, just look and see what it said in the Gospels. Read the red letter part. It'll tell you, too, that you must repent. And so uh, repentance is a gift that God has given us uh, because now, after we have, we have been born again. We live in our life for God. Temptation and sin is still out there. And uh, from the very beginning, God has shown us, I'm ready to give people another chance if they will change. From Adam and Eve. Had it perfect. Man, in the garden created by God, don't you know, man, that he made them perfect. I, you, you see Adam and Eve, you'd be like, I hate you. Ain't no fat on you. Ain't no blemishes on you. You ain't humpbacked or nothing like that. You're just perfect, like statues walking around. You know, you're just like, oh, I hate you. Had it perfect. Hired by God, doing the work of God. Hey, name all the animals, Adam. That's up to you. Oh, I'm going to give you this wife. and She's going to be perfect. Everything just perfect. And then one day, things are not so perfect. Because they give in to even Adam and Eve. 
temptation and sin was right around the corner. And not being careful. Maybe, maybe that's what happened. They got careless. Well, we're created in God's image. You think they didn't know that? We're created in his image. We walk with him every day. We're working for him. Got the perfect job. Perfect marriage. Everything's great. We couldn't. Nothing can't happen to us. And it did. And Eve partook of the fruit. And then Adam partook of the fruit. And now all of a sudden they both realize something's different. They were afraid. And they were ashamed. And they ran into the thickest part of the garden and tried to hide, start trying to make clothes, clothing out of leaves and different things, trying to cover up what they had done wrong. And here comes God. Adam, where are you? And he knows where they are. And he's already seen what they've done wrong. But again, they're trying to hide. We heard your voice and we were afraid. The first time they'd ever had to utter those words. Why would you be afraid of my voice? We talk every day. Yeah, but today's different, God. Something happened. I know what happened. And to get down to it before it's all over with, God has to, without even asking them, he says, because it has to be my way. He kills an animal, makes coats of skin to cover up, their nakedness. He didn't ask them how to do it. He said, I know how to do it. And so the innocent had to die for the guilty. Just like it is in our life today. He didn't ask anybody's opinion about how to save mankind. He said, I'm going to do it. And the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world walked this earth for three, uh, well, for 33, 33 and a half years until he went to a cross and his blood was shed so that it could wash away our sin. And so, but with Adam and Eve, instead of destroying them, he gives them a chance. And we find out that Adam and Eve wanted to live for God even after they were cast out of the garden because Adam would bring sacrifice to God and offer burnt offerings to God and would worship God. Even still, Adam lived a repented life. He repented because he wasn't going to listen to the wrong voice anymore. He was going to keep doing what he should have been doing all along. Except now he's in a harder environment and there was going to be consequences for it. And that's the way God is. He doesn't want anybody... Not one single person, you've heard me say this before, there'll never be anybody that slips off into eternity, the wrong side of eternity, that goes into it unloved, that never had opportunity for his mercy. God does not want anybody to suffer in eternity without him. His nature is not to destroy, but to redeem people. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. I'm not trying to destroy people. I'm trying to save people. Now, he is patient and he is kind and he is long-suffering. But, and I don't know that his patience can just be exhausted. But, well, let me ask you, what do you think? Do you think that people can get to a point, a line of no return, so to say, where they can't be saved? 
Not that God can't save them, but that a person can't be saved because of their own choices. The scripture talks about people being turned over to a reprobate mind. It talks about them believing a lie and being damned. If someone will believe that there is no God, that he does not love them and, and never, never repent of their sins, never, ever go into a church, even though they've heard it, but they make the decision, I don't believe. I've heard other people say there is no God. That's the way I believe. God will not save anybody against their will. And so uh, we may get ourselves into a place. And that's the thing, the scary thing about as we come to God and knowing God is that I don't want to get so comfortable that, hey, well, I, you know, again, I've said this before, like I'm super Christian and I can't be hurt. Because I need to be like that man in the psalm. He said, Lord, make me to know just how frail I am. I need to know where my weaknesses are so I know where to build up. You know, anybody that's uh, protecting a, a city or a town or, or a camp, they would always want to know where their weakest side was and they would fortify it. Because they said, this is our weak point and we want to put a little extra firepower on this side because... Uh, if we get hit here, it could be bad if we're not ready. I want to make sure that I am fortifying myself in my weak areas so that I don't fall like Adam and Eve did. But if I do, guess what? God's not going to throw me away. The, you know, If you're ever out on the Niagara River in New York, I hope you're not. But there is a point on that river that the local people there, they call it the line of no return. It's at the rapids. And, and they say, if you find yourself at that place on that river, you have about 13 seconds till you go over the falls. And it doesn't matter what you do. You're in a boat. You know how to swim. You got a motor. It don't matter. Everything you've got, you have, all, you have gotten to a place where it's got you. And it doesn't matter what you do, you cannot get out of that current. It's too strong. And so I wonder sometimes if people have not gotten themselves into the current. I want to be careful. And I want to realize that God, don't ever, ever, ever get an unrepented heart. Always be ready and take care of that stuff quick. If you make a mistake, repent. Don't let it sit there. Don't, don't drift along with it. But repent. God, forgive me now of this. This is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. Because I don't want to ever get past that line of no return. I don't want to get to a place where the Lord comes back. And the only reason I'm left is because I wouldn't say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I've done this. I've done that. I've, 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 you know, I, I've pastored a church. I've preached messages. I've prayed people through. I've baptized people. But you never said you were sorry. You never turned and followed me. I don't want to ever find myself in that place. You know, and like I say, God's mercy endures forever. But he, is, he does not force feed mercy to anybody. It's there every morning for us to partake of. And so people need to partake of the goodness and mercy and compassion of God. It won't be like Esau. Because that's one man that said, the scripture says he sought for repentance with tears. Uh, the writer in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 15 and 17 says that uh, 
warns us. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up inside of us and, and trouble us and defile us. Go to uh, verse 16. It said, lest there be any fornicated. And it calls him a profane person as Esau. And it's not just calling him names. They're backing it up because they said for one morsel of meat he sold his birthright. And then in verse 17 it says that for you know. This is a lesson that they would teach people. How that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He was looking, look at Esau's life. He didn't care enough about his birthright to hang on to it, but he would sell it for just one morsel of food. His birthright, it was his, it belonged to him, but he sold it to appease his flesh. And when he came in and he was crying and begging after Jacob had come in and took that blessing, it wasn't, he was upset. Don't you have anything for me? You don't have nothing for me? It wasn't conviction that caused him to cry. It was self-pity. And if he had been been like, I can't believe it. This is my fault. I sold my birthright. Maybe he would have found a place, but he didn't. Instead, he was angry. He was angry at Jacob. He was angry because he didn't. He, the Bible never talks about him honoring God or having a heart tender toward God his whole life. And then he finds himself in a place where he feels like I'm being robbed. I'm being cheated. Where's my stuff? I want my stuff. And so it says he found no place of repentance. It doesn't say that he ever sought God after that. But he built himself up to where he said, I have enough. When Jacob came back and was trying to give him things and send him gifts, he said, hey, you keep your stuff. I've got enough. I don't want to ever get so, look what I've built, that I say I have enough and I don't need something from God. And so uh, I want to make sure that I uh, can find a place of repentance I want to be sorry when I am not doing right and not think I've done enough good. It'll be all right. It's covered, I'm sure. That's why I don't understand that that stuff about that that line of grace that people preach where you never have to pray again because you can't sin anymore. God's grace covered it from end to beginning. It doesn't matter what you do anymore. So that means you never have to be sorry. How is your heart tender if if you're never even sorry about things? And so I want to make sure that I realize God has provided a way out and he didn't have to. And repentance gives me an opportunity to realize and recognize the goodness of God in my life. And I can change my course because if I stay unrepentant, I'm headed in the same line, the same way, the same direction. Nothing's ever going to change. But God is allowing change. You know, the Jews were so amazed in Acts chapter 11 after Peter had preached to the house of Cornelius because they had received the Holy Ghost and were baptized. And and they're upset with Peter for preaching this message to the Gentiles. And Peter said, what do you want me to do? I'm preaching about Jesus. The Holy Ghost falls on them just like it did on us. They're speaking in other tongues, worshiping God. And so I commanded them to be baptized because that's what we do. And how can I withstand God? What do you want me to do about that? And then 
after they heard that testimony, oh, they glorified, say, well, God has even granted uh, repentance unto life to the Gentiles. See, repentance is unto life. And so uh, I want to make sure that uh, I'm not trying to withhold this gift of repentance from anybody. You can change. Oh, my life's just a wreck, and you tell them God loves you. But they still need to know there's got to be a change. And so, but you don't choke repentance into them. You don't whip it into them. You don't burn it into them. You can't put them on a rack and stretch it into them. You, you know, repentance comes from the love of God. When those men on the day of Pentecost said they were pricked in their hearts, they were hurt because they realized what they had done to the Lord. What are we going to do? Repent. Say you're sorry for what you did and then turn around and start following the one you crucified. And so 3,000 gladly received the word. People want to hear there's a better way. Repentance opens the door to a better way. So don't be afraid to uh, talk about repentance to people because it's a gift for you, it's a gift for me, it's a gift for everybody. When people are uh, caught in their disobedience, shame and fear, just like Adam and Eve, often come right in. But shame and fear are healthy emotions if it leads people to seek God. And then, after they seek God, dispose of that shame and fear. See, God doesn't want you to carry around shame and fear. He wants you to get rid of it. He bring it to me. Let's come. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they're going to be white. In other words, he said, we're fixing to make a change. You and I are going to talk about this. We're going to reason together. We're going to pray. We're going to commune. I'm going to tell you what's the right way. And all this shame you're showing right now is going to be changed. I'm going to give you a, take that scarlet sin away, give you a robe that's white as snow, and things are going to be good between you and I. You see, God, he's trying to tell them. I'm going to dispose of that. I'm going to get rid of it. When we hang on to shame and fear, it becomes unhealthy. Because when people are ashamed, they hide. They may be hiding in plain sight. Dropping their heads. Never interacting anymore. Afraid. Fear. That people are going to find out. That's why Adam and Eve, they were ashamed and they hid because they were afraid that God was going to find out what they had done wrong and he already knew. God already knows. You can't hide it. No matter how thick the bushes are, it don't matter. You can't hide from God. He knows. So it's better. He's saying, look, just come and let's reason together and let's deal with this. We know the scripture says that God is love. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, Peter reminds us that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness. God does not make promises that are just there and nothing ever happens with them, but God makes promises that come to pass. And so He's not slack concerning His promises, and it says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Wow, what a wonderful place it must be if God wants me to be there. 
but that all people, everyone should experience this wonderful, beautiful place of repentance, a place where you can change, where you are able to make a decision about your life, and God will allow that. God, I don't want to live like that. I want to change. Follow me. Instead of him saying, nope, you just been too bad. That was just too awful. I've given you too many chances. Oh, it's not like that. God is not willing that any perish. Not willing. That's not his will. This is not what I want for my people. This is not what I want for anybody. But I want everybody to get there. Guess what? Point somebody towards repentance. And so don't ever think, well, God will forgive you over and over and over You may start out, you may repent before this life is over thousands of times. And you may, well, I feel like a habitual violator. I'm always repenting. So, you repent and get it right. Don't ever take yourself out of the running when God's not going to. Peter wanted to know, hey, how, how many times in a day should I forgive people? Seven times? Seventy times seven. 490 times a day. That's a lot, isn't it? I would venture to say, as crazy as people can be, not many of us need 490 chances a day. But you may need 490 chances in your life. And you might need twice that number in your life. I don't know. But I will say this, that if the Lord tells us as people, you forgive People 490 times. He's trying to say you can't exhaust it is what he is. Even if you hit 491, you're still good. He's, it's the principle of the thing. No, listen, I'm giving you a number that just won't be reached. But I'm, tr- I'm trying to tell you, Peter, that, listen, even if it's 70 times 7, you forgive them because my mercy endures forever. I'm always ready to forgive people if they confess their faults. I'm faithful to forgive them. And if they confess to you, you be faithful to forgive them. And so no matter how they hurt you, forgive them. No matter how they betray you, forgive them. You have to forgive if you're going to be forgiven. And so repentance, when people, but, you know, uh, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I'm sorry that I poked you in the eye, but I'm going to do it again, kind of hard for me to say I, I forgive you. Uh, I'd like for them to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or at least I'm going to try not to poke you in the eye no more. I'm going to try not to hurt your feelings anymore. You know, at least have some kind of remorse. But still, I'm going to forgive. And if they don't repent, I'm going to make sure I wear safety goggles. I'm going to protect myself. But I will forgive them. This world is is full of sin. And... Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. We all missed the mark somewhere. That means we all need repentance. John wrote that uh, if we live under the idea that we have not sinned, we make ourselves liars. And so even as um, born-again people, we can make mistakes. We can do things that are not like God. We can have thoughts that are not like his or, or find ourselves in a place that he doesn't want us to be. It happens. Though a good man fall, 
you've heard us talk about it. It happens to the best of us. It happens sometimes. People fall. But God has given us repentance so that we can get back on the path with him. That we can turn from what was wrong and head toward what is right. I don't want to ever turn into something wrong and then say, oh, this ain't right. I need to get back. But find the road closed. When you repent, that road to him is always open. You always can get back to him. You know, I'm sure David, and he did wonder when he was caught in his transgression, murdering and, and the things he had done. He was afraid that God was going to kill him. Right there. It's over, right here. But the prophet said, because you know, David's heart was tender toward God, he loved God, he knew he was wrong, and he confessed as much that God is not going to kill you. And we read Psalm 51, and that's David's prayer of repentance and what he would, how he acknowledged his sin and what he had done was wrong and, and how he desired to be uh, changed. And God didn't kill him. He allowed David to repent and change and get back right. And, and I don't ever read about David doing that again. He repented of it. He walked away from it. It wasn't something, it wasn't a, a habit that he had to break over and over. He walked away from that. And so you may feel like, whoo, what I did was awful. You know what? But God gave you repentance. And so when you make a mistake, and, and it always seems so much worse when we've been doing so good. When people have been doing good and all of a sudden they have that slip up, they're like, that's it, I've blown it because they felt like it was such a great, that's us magnifying it. It don't matter. Every sin, all, all that sin, it looks the same to God. And it's all covered by the same uh, formula. Repent. Confess your faults. I'll forgive you. It's the blood that takes care of all of it. No matter what, what we think the size of it is or the amount of it is, the blood still takes care of all of it. And repentance is uh, what God has given us to keep contact with him. Sin separates us from God. Repentance brings us back into a place with God. And so uh, I want to make sure that I don't neglect the gift of repentance. You know, sometimes before we pray, like tomorrow night, Monday night prayer, first Monday, we'll have communion. And during that uh, prayer service, we examine ourselves. God, show me where I'm wrong. And if we find these things in our life where we feel like we're missing God, we repent of these things, get ourselves right with God, and then we take of the sacrament. We remember his body and his blood, and we, we worship him in that, in that communion. And then uh, we thank God for that gift, able to do that. I'm thankful that when I get down to pray, I can pray for myself, and I can repent. I'm glad that God has allowed us to be able to have the opportunity to turn around. Because sometimes, you know, people will like, you see the door? Don't let it hit you on the way out. Keep walking. Don't want to see you no more. That's the way people will be. But God's like, I sure wish you'd turn around because when you go against him, it's like you walked out the door and he's like, I wish you'd come back. God always wants us back. He always wants us back. Honey, you can come to the music. Let's stand together. So realizing that repentance is a gift to us, it removes hostilities between God and our broken flesh. 
We cannot repent of our own volition. It, is, it takes the grace of God to draw us into repentance. You won't be able to say, well, look at me, I repented. It, you wouldn't be able to repent unless God actually allowed it. No flesh will glory or take credit for making a turnaround toward God alone. God gives us permission and the desire to approach him. Jesus is the author of our faith, which means he is the initiator. Paul said Jesus Christ is the one who has begun a good work in you. And so it is Christ that gives us that desire to repent. So that means we don't get to take credit for it. Repentance is not a man-made gift. It is a God-given gift. Philippians 2 and 13 says God is working in us, giving us both the desire to do what he wants and the power to do it. Whenever we uh, repent and are living close to God, we feel great. 1 John 3 and 21 says if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. And when we're like that, we have that confidence toward God. We can uh, walk worthy, pray boldly. We can do ministry, engage the lost people and serve him in every way and we can feel good about it sometimes people think living for God you don't get to feel good about nothing or if you're feeling good then you, you you're not something's wrong with you but I feel good serving God there's no better feeling than serving God and living for God and and knowing that everything's good between me and him and knowing also having a confidence that if I do something stupid as humans often do, that I can confess my faults to him and he will forgive me. When we pray, Jesus said, ask for forgiveness. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. You forgive people and he forgives you. So I'm thankful for the gift of repentance. And I'm thankful today that I can get myself back. People say, I'll never get back to where I was. Why? You can't do anything about lost time, but you can still get back to God. It's like, well, my relationship with God is damaged. When it gets fixed, it's fixed. You're going to remember every bad thing you've done, but when you get back with God, He doesn't say, well, I'm going to have to keep you at arm's length now because <laughs> you've been pretty rough. Oh, no. He's... It's the father falling on that nasty pig stinking son. Don't care where he's been, don't care how bad he's been, don't care what's on him. Falls on him, hugs him, kissing him, putting clean clothes on him, putting shoes on his feet. Yeah, come but I can't keep preaching. I'm gonna keep going. I'm getting ready to preach. I can't do it. But that prodigal son, he said, I'm gonna go home and be a servant. And the father said, I beg to differ. You're still my son. You came home, come on in the house. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord this morning for repentance. Thank you for a beautiful gift, Lord. Thank you for the ability. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you, God, for allowing us a place to turn around. Oh, God, you know that it's not our desire. Lord, if we make these mistakes, Lord, help us to, to seek your face, to confess our faults, and turn from our wicked ways, Lord, and follow after you. Lord, we want to be a blessing. We want to be true. We want to be right. Lord, we want to see you in heaven one day. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of repentance. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Appreciate the Lord this morning. Aren't you thankful for the gift of repentance? Praise the Lord. We're thankful for so many gifts. Gifts of the Spirit, all kind of things. But I'm going to tell you that gift of repentance, that's the beginning. That's the open door to start following Him. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.